This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for February 28, 2020. In this week's episode, 10 things you shouldn't do at work, tips on messaging, email, and web browsing. Also, Josh and Kirk discuss file downloads and why you shouldn't connect your personal drive to your work computer or leave your company-issued phone on after hours. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Okay, with our trusty time machine, Josh is at RSA conference this week, and next week we're going to talk about what Josh learned at the conference, but here's an episode we recorded a week ago. Um, Josh, how are you this week? Even if you're not here, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm probably very tired right now. With my feet probably <laughs> hurt, and I've had a lot of long days at the at the conference. But I'm learning a lot of great stuff, which I will tell you guys about next week. What is the RSA conference? Um, RSA conference uh, is a, a yearly conference in San Francisco that's all about security stuff. It's the security industry, like one of the main conferences, I would say, in the security industry. You've got uh, vendors that do exhibits in an expo format. Um, and then the, there's also, uh, for full conference attendees, there's a lot of really interesting talks. Some of them are somewhat similar in nature to the kind of stuff that they have uh, sometimes at Black Hat and DEF CON, where people talk about new uh, exploits and things they discovered. So uh, there's there's always some really good, interesting stuff there. And, it, and usually there's at least one or two talks that uh, have to do with Apple. So I always make sure to, to get into those. So um, we'll talk about uh, all the stuff that I saw there next week. Okay, I look forward to it. So this week, when we were discussing um, this topic, uh, I wrote an article on the Intego Mac security blog about this, and we were trying to figure out, most people who use computers don't know a lot about them. Now, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are relatively savvy computer users and relatively advanced skills, and they understand the kinds of things that happen with computers. But most people, particularly in business, don't really know what they're doing when they're using their computer. So the name of this article is 10 Things You Shouldn't Do on Your Work Computer or Phone because people in business, they just assume that the computer is there like the laptop that they have at home or the iMac that they share. The problem is that if you're using a computer that's owned by your employer, and in this episode, when we say the word computer, we're including any computing device, an iPhone or, or an iPad as well. It's not yours. Your employer can record everything you do, take screenshots, videos, copy everything, filter it, get reports. Not every employer is going to do this. If you're in a small business, they're probably pretty cool about, you know, looking up a recipe on your computer. But if you're in a big company, you really shouldn't do these 10 things. So we're going to go through the list and have a quick discussion. And Josh in particular knows about this because you've worked administering large numbers of computers in the past. Um, web browsing is the most obvious thing that people are going to do. And, you know, I'm sitting here at my desk. We're talking over Skype. But when I'm doing my work and I'm writing an article, I take a break because I don't know what to say. And I go into Safari and maybe I check the news or something like that. And I think it's a reflex, right? But you really shouldn't do too much of this at work. 
Yeah, a lot of people um, have the mistaken impression, I think, that you know, a private browsing window or tab in their browser means that nobody, nobody can see what they're looking at. And well, it, it doesn't really work that way. When you're talking about a, a company's network, typically they have uh, employee monitoring software or maybe just a web filter um, to make sure that their employees are not getting into, uh, you know, maybe adult content or um, maybe sometimes uh, they have filters in place just to avoid getting their computers infected. So maybe they have uh, you know, malware domain filters or phishing filters, but typically most company networks will have something like that in place. And what that means is that at some point in the process, there's some kind of web filtering going on. And often what that means is that that web traffic is actually being logged. And so they can tell that a particular device accessed a particular website and it doesn't matter whether you opened it in a private browsing tab or not. And this is true for your computer and for your iPhone or iPad, even if you're not in the company's premises. If the company has used MDM or mobile device management software to set up, say, an iPhone or an iPad, um, this software has the ability to record logs, maybe not in real time, but it will download logs to a central computer. And whether it's private or not, I think there are two problems for most businesses. One is productivity. If you're spending your time playing fantasy football or shopping, then you're not working. And the other is you may be accessing content that is just not the right kind of content for work. This could be porn. This could be streaming. This could be torrenting files from BitTorrent. This could be, I don't know, all sorts of things that you can access that you simply shouldn't do at work. Right. So so I guess the main takeaway on this topic is uh, just be aware that any place that you go on the internet is potentially going to be logged. And so basically, you can think about it this way. If you would be uncomfortable with your boss knowing that you go to the site, then you shouldn't be using your work-issued device or using the work network with even your own personal device. Because this also goes for, even if you bring your own device, um, they can still track what's going on on their network. Okay, that's if you're connected to right. Wi-Fi, but if you're connected to cellular, then you're okay. If you've got your own iPhone and you're using cellular and not exactly. Wi-Fi, then you're exactly. okay. Or if you're using a VPN, then they can't track you even over Wi-Fi, correct? Um, yeah, that's true. If you're, especially if you're talking about your own personal device that your company hasn't installed any software on, and you're using a VPN, you might be able to get away with that uh, using company Wi-Fi um, because the VPN should create a secure tunnel and uh, and allow you to you know access whatever you want to. Now, at the same time, it is worth noting that. Um, if you're tunneling everything through a VPN, then that may look to your company like you're downloading a whole bunch of data all from the same website, uh, because essentially what they'll see is, is uh, the IP address of the VPN server that you're connecting to being the one place where all your traffic is coming in uh, from and going out to. And so it, it might look a little bit anomalous and they might notice that something funny is going on and they might ask you about it. So 
that's something to be aware of too. Well, just tell them you're using a VPN <laughs> to use your private device. But if you're doing it on company time, that's they, another They may not like that. Have. It depends on the company. Yeah. And some are totally cool with uh, yeah. people using personal devices on the company network and others are not. So just be aware of what your company policies are. Okay. Email and instant messaging. These are both communication tools that we use constantly during the day. We send and receive dozens, maybe hundreds of emails. We get instant messages. We send instant messages. But it's kind of the same thing as with web browsing. A company can be filtering the traffic, um, read all your emails, and, well, not read all your instant messages. Because if you're using a secure messaging service like iMessage, then they won't be able to. But if you're using SMS, then they will be able to read your messages. So you may be sending emails that have no personal information. Sending it to a friend say, okay, we'll meet up for dinner tonight, and that's fine. But remember that any personal information you do have can be read by the company. And let's be clear, while some of the system administrators are honest and aren't going to do anything with the personal information they can find, you can't trust everyone. Yeah. And, and again, just to clarify this, we're, we're talking about using your work email address um, to or or a work uh, you know phone to send messages to somebody else. That's where um, it may be monitorable by your your company. Now, if you are logging into a personal Gmail account um, on your work device, that's a little bit different. Unless they're doing keystroke logging, which generally businesses really should not be doing. But they can. <laughs> but they can if it's a device there, that they there's own. There's software that lets them do keystroke recording and to take screenshots um, during the day yeah. of what you're doing. This is definitely a legal gray area. And in fact, in some jurisdictions, this is not legal. But in other places, it may be perfectly legal for them to uh, to have a keystroke logger on their devices. But generally speaking, most of the time, if you go to gmail.com and you log into your Gmail account um, or whatever email service provider, as long as it, it's uh, it's a secure connection that you have to that site, um, most of the time, your company's not going to be able to see what you're sending but um, they will know that you went to gmail.com or whatever the site might be. Um, and they, again, sometimes companies have policies that there is not to be any use of personal email on company time or on company devices. So again, be aware of, of those policies. And also don't use your work email account to send personal emails, because in that case, these are stored on the server that your company controls, whether it's in there premises or whether it's in the cloud someplace. Right. That's really the big thing to be aware of. Um, I, I, it, it kind of blows me away how many people use a work email address for all kinds of personal business. They, they buy, uh, you know, whatever it is and, and they give Macy's or, you know, uh, Amazon their work email address. Um, sometimes people get bills sent to their work email address. Um, this is sort of weird for a variety of reasons. For one thing, you may not work for that company forever. And, uh, and you know, and then how are you going to get access to those accounts? Uh, if suddenly your, uh, your employer, uh, terminates your, your employment, you're, you're, you're not working for them anymore. In many cases, they'll shut down that email account immediately as soon as you get notice that uh, you're no longer employed. Um, so I really don't recommend it anyway. Or they might forward it to someone else 
So let's say you're working in the HR department. Mm -hmm. They might forward it to someone else in the HR department so any incoming contacts don't get lost. Right. This is also something that that happens. And uh, in many cases, uh, depending on what uh, email service is working on, uh, behind the scenes at your company, your system administrators may be able to see really every thing in your account. So when you're no longer employed, or even if they, even if you're still employed and they have a strong suspicion and, and some evidence perhaps that you might have been doing something that you shouldn't have, um, they can log into your work email account at any given time. Um, and, and they can see everything that you've sent and everything you've received. So, um, this is something to be aware of. Um, I, I really cannot recommend strongly enough that you do not use a work email address for any kind of personal business at all. And it's so easy to get a free email account. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably using Apple devices. You have an Apple ID and that isn't free email account. You can get Gmail, you can get plenty of other free email accounts. So there's really no reason to use. I still have some people who send me emails from work addresses. Now, Personally, I run my own business, so whether I send from my business account or not, it doesn't make a difference, but I'm a one-person business, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah, this is mainly something to be concerned about in, in situations where you work for a large organization that has their own email servers. So we were just talking about messaging briefly. In addition to messaging, uh, sort of normal messaging, iMessages, text messages, some companies will have a policy against spending too much time chatting on services like Slack. I don't know what you think about Slack. I hate it. And part of the problem is that I work for a number of clients and each client wants to use a different way of communicating. Um, Slack is one of them. And what I really hate about Slack is you get a Slack channel for the serious stuff, but then you have other channels where it's like not serious stuff. And it's like the fantasy football or talking about the soap operas or whatever. Now, you don't have to join them all, but sometimes when you sign in, you've got all these channels and maybe someone's going to mention your name. And so you get popped up with a notification and God, I hate this stuff, but it's a good idea to make sure you know what the rules are and not spend too much time. And particularly, it's very easy after a long day, you're chatting on Slack, maybe to let things get a little bit too loose and to start talking about things that aren't really appropriate for a business environment. And I assume that Slack has a little setting that um, businesses can use to record everything and check logs and check transcripts and all that. I mean, there's a variety of services that are similar to Slack too. Um, that's just one example. But um, yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes uh, companies will have sort of a uh, potpourri channel um, for just general discussion. And um, is that what they call it? A potpourri <laughs> channel? That sounds very classy. <laughs> I, I've seen it called different things, but but just sort of like a random stuff channel where, where everything else can yeah. go that's not work related. Um, and sometimes they'll try to sort of corral uh, maybe not, you know, unsafe for work, but at least, you know, not work related conversations and just off topic. Yeah, off topic. There you go. And just stick them into yeah. a separate channel. So sometimes you'll you'll see that on services like Slack. But um, in general, again, it's kind of the same advice here. You know, be aware that if you have a company issued device, um, you know, it's possible there may be keystroke logging going on. Uh, I, it's probably not very often that companies are doing that. 
on devices that they issue to employees, but uh, it is possible. So it's just something to- I think the bigger the company, the higher the possibility. Yeah. I think very large companies are probably using the most extensive tools and smaller companies aren't, but the possibility exists. We can't deny it. Right. Okay, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about files and streaming and tracking and more. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. And then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 40%. That's PODCAST19 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay. Now, we've talked about using certain types of apps, and let's talk about using files now. For instance, it should be really simple that unless you need a file for work, don't download a file, period. Now, I would hope that any business has antivirus and anti-malware software. Probably don't have to worry if you download a PDF, although there have been malware in PDFs and other types of files, but you should not download files you don't need for your work. It could be dangerous, and it's just not worth the trouble. Exactly. Yeah. I uh, Unfortunately, sometimes employees think, uh, oh, hey, you know, I've got this nice computer that was issued to me by my work and I can use it for whatever I want when I'm at home because I'm not on the work network anymore. And they gave the, me the device to use. So it's totally cool if I, you know, just torrent um, everything that I, you know, that I want and uh, I can download all sorts of programs. But where this gets a little bit hairy is that this is not what your device was issued to you for, for one thing. Uh, and you could very well end up getting your device infected, especially if you're going around and downloading a bunch of things that uh, let's say are from questionably legal or clearly illegal sources. Um, so just, it's not a good idea. Um, also, uh, while we're on this topic, this also, I think, relates to um, email attachments for, from your personal emails. So maybe your company doesn't mind if you check your personal email on your work device. But, um, you know, a lot of times malware comes in the form of email attachments. And so if you're downloading those attachments on your work computer, um, then that's also another potential um, source of infection. And so... Just don't do personal stuff on your work computer, and that will help avoid a lot of these kinds of scenarios where you might accidentally infect your, your system. Right. And this gets a little bit more complicated if you have a laptop and you take it home 
where you may not have your own computer at home, and so you're tempted to want to do things. Um, so another tip is you shouldn't connect personal storage devices. You really shouldn't. You shouldn't put that thumb drive or external hard drive connected to the computer because, first of all, um, there could be malware. And second of all, um, you'd be copying files back and forth, which, you know, even if you delete them on the company computer, there could be traces, they could be recovered. You may have personal files with really sensitive data that you don't want to share. Um, you know, bank statements, um, medical reports, things like that. Um, so you really, really shouldn't connect personal storage devices or use file. And you might be tempted because you've got a PowerPoint presentation you made for the local PDA and you want to print it out because you don't have a printer at home, right? Um, no one cares if you print a couple pages at work, do they? But over time, this kind of stuff adds up. Uh, again, th this really depends on the size of the company. Smaller companies are probably going to be cool with it. Um, but when you're working with a big company, a big corporation, they're going to have all sorts of rules and connecting personal storage devices is really dangerous. I know someone who worked for a government agency here in the UK, and the USB ports were all blocked. They couldn't connect anything. Yeah, um, well, that that can be a big problem. I mean, remember, there's a lot of things that can happen with a USB device. They could be a so-called bad USB device, where it's designed to behave as both a flash drive and something else. It might, uh, you know, pretend to um, to just be a flash drive, but it's also got some secret capability to. Uh, act as a keyboard. And so when you, you know, have been away from the computer for a few minutes, it'll, it could open up the terminal and start typing commands. And, and um, th this is actually something that uh, there, are, there are products like this that you can really buy on the market that you can program and that look just like a regular cable. And uh, it sounds very Tom Cruise, but it's true. This stuff does exist. It really, really does. Uh, yeah, the o OMG cable is is one such uh, example of that O.MG. And uh, they're th like, OMG, oh, my God. <laughs> right. Yeah, this, they, there's uh, they have a lightning cable. They have uh, uh, they have USB cables. Um, and so, you know, uh, just be really careful. So bringing this back. Um, the, what we're talking about here is one, don't attach personal devices, USB or otherwise to your work computer, but also don't pick up something off the ground or borrow a cable from somebody else's desk. Um, it's, it's just not a good idea generally to just start plugging in USB things into your work computer. Um, use devices that are issued to you by your company and don't plug in other things if you can avoid it. Okay, you, you mentioned torrenting stuff earlier, and one of the points in the article is that you shouldn't stream. And this is a difficult thing because I know a lot of people who they're at work and they're streaming music, they've got headphones in and they like to work with music and companies are fine with that. But you probably shouldn't stream video. It, it takes up a lot of bandwidth. Again, depending on how many people are in the company, maybe there's lots of people downloading big files and if you're streaming something, well, first of all, you're watching it on company time, but even if you're watching it at lunch, if you're streaming something, that could really take up a lot of bandwidth. It gets more complicated. Let's say you've got a laptop and you're away on a business trip and you want to watch something in a hotel on Netflix. I think that would be fine. I don't know what you think about that. Um, but I think as long as you're in your office, it's probably something to avoid. Yeah, generally, again, this this comes down to company policies, but probably most companies don't necessarily care all that much if you're using your work computer 
off of the company network to do something like Netflix or YouTube when you're uh, when you're at home or at a hotel or something like that. Um, you know, and and if, as long as you're not using their network or connected to a corporate VPN, which is really using their network um, from afar, um, then it probably isn't that big of a deal in most cases. Um, but when you are on a company network or if you're using a corporate VPN and by corporate VPN, I mean a VPN that's where the server is actually located on company premises so that when you connect to it, um, all of, all of your network connectivity is going in a tunnel through your work network out to the internet, which means it's using up their bandwidth then they're really going to care <laughs> if you're doing uh, YouTube or Netflix or something like that, uh, streaming video content, um, even while you're away. So just be aware of that. If, you're, if your computer or phone or whatever it is issued by your company has an always-on company VPN, that's something to be aware of. Okay, another thing to remember, and this applies more to phones than to laptops, um, you know your iPhone or your Android phone can tell you where you are, can pinpoint you on a map. Well, your employer can track your location with your iPhone or your laptop or perhaps even your iPad. To a lesser extent, your computer, because computers generally don't have GPS yet, they can still work out the location um, in, in other ways. It's probably a good idea if you're using a work-issued phone to turn it off when you're not working. Do you want your employer to know that you visited the offices of a competitor for a job interview? Or maybe that you've gone to a hospital or a doctor's office, you've got a health issue and you don't want to tell them yet. Location can be pinpointed so much that they can know exactly where you are in a vertical um, in a building, like in a corner, they can't tell which floor of a building you're on, but they'll know exactly where you are. And I would assume that MDM software has a way of tracking this, right? Um, yeah, depending on the MDM, uh, it, 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 you can get more or less granular on some aspects of location. Um, in some cases, um, all they'll be able to tell is what IP address your device currently has, your public IP address. And so what that, for example, could reveal is that you are uh, on your home network and uh, let's say your home ISP is Comcast. Um, so your home Comcast IP address is getting logged in, in the MDM uh, software. So the system administrators can see what your home, home IP address is if you use your device on your home Wi-Fi network. Um, so uh, that, that is something to definitely be aware of. Um, and, and of course that can reveal your exact location in the case of, let's say, um, if your company believes that a device might've been stolen, um, then they can turn that over to the police and the police can, uh, can, you know, get a warrant or whatever and find out from the internet service provider who had that IP address at that time. And so they can pinpoint it to exactly you and your home. And of course, with a phone where you have GPS, then they can, they'll have a log of where you've been if the MDM software allows right. it. Okay. The last thing is, and I guess this applies to a lot of the points we've been discussing, it's never save personal credentials. In the past, and particularly Josh uh, has mentioned this about using private browsing, which he does all the time. He never browses out of private browsing mode, believe it or not. 
Um, what happens when you do that is any um, login information and password won't be saved. But if you forget about that and you log in with a normal connection to a website, whether it's Amazon or your email or whatever, this might be saved. Now, you get a dialog the first time you enter these credentials in a browser asking if you want to save it. And you might just be busy and tired and you hit return because you're so used to hitting return for every dialog. And it might actually get saved on the computer. Now, there's a lot of problems here because anyone else who uses the computer, you, I mean, your work computer is going to be protected with a login and a password. But when you're no longer there, maybe someone else is able to use that computer because a lot of people are sharing a login and a password for each computer. Anyone can get your stuff that way. It's very important uh, to not save personal credentials for exactly the reasons you, you mentioned. Um, and, and this goes for any browser, regardless of whether it's Safari, Firefox, Chrome. Um, just uh, in fact, even work credentials, I'm I'm even a little hesitant to save those in my computer. What What if... Um, I happen to be in, I don't know, some scenario where someone uh, can walk up and uh, and use the computer if I've just walked away for a moment. And now that's not something that I do. I'm very careful to lock my screen whenever I walk away from the device or bring the device with me. But um, let's say that, uh, you know, you, you just forget one time and you, you know, somebody uh, wants to talk to you. And so you, you follow them, you know, uh, to their office and behind your back, someone sneaks into your office and gets on your computer. Um, you don't want them to be able to log into websites and impersonate you. And, uh, you know, you don't want also somebody to, uh, maybe grab files off of your computer that could allow them to try to hack into your password later on their own computer. Um, that's also potentially possible with something like, for example, uh, the, the Firefox uh, keychain. Um, it's got its own saved passwords storage. And so you can certainly grab that, bring it to another computer, and then keep trying over and over again on your own time to guess that password. Um, so these are some things to be aware of. Um, all this to say, yeah, think twice about saving any passwords, I would say, not just personal ones, but even be really cautious and maybe the really important work passwords, I wouldn't even necessarily save those on my work computer either. You know, it's interesting. I read an article recently. Um, a lot of businesses uh, force people to change their password every month. And the problem with this is people will like change one character of the password, like they'll add a digit or something. But I read something recently that says there's really no point in changing a password every month. As long as you have a secure password, changing it doesn't help anyone. Yeah, there, there's, there have been certainly different schools of thought on this over the years, but the general consensus among most security experts now is that um, forcing people to change their passwords on a very frequent basis uh, doesn't really add a lot to security for the exactly the reason you mentioned, that someone's just going to make one minor tweak and otherwise it's going to be almost identical to the last password that they used because that's convenient and it's easy to remember. And people don't want to have to start all over from scratch and remember a whole brand new password. Um, and so that's just the way humans are. <laughs> and uh, so a policy like that is generally not as helpful as companies might like to think that it would be. Um, but, uh, and, and so some companies will force you to change your password. And, and in those cases where you do have something where uh, there's mandatory password resets, then it also becomes a little complicated when you're saving your password, because now you're going to have to update it uh, and 
you know, that's, that can be kind of a pain sometimes. Okay. So all these points apply both to your work computer, but also to any public computer. If you go to a library or internet cafe, do they still exist any place? I haven't seen any where I live. Yeah, there's. I don't think there's probably as many in the U.S. as there might have been at one time, but I think um, they're a little bit more common in some countries, though, internet yeah. cafes. So all the same points apply. Um, you're working on computers that other people can access, that other people have administrator accounts for, um, which means that they can get in using their administrator credentials um, to get into a lot of stuff that's been stored. So think about it. Most of this really, Josh and I were saying before the show, for us, this is common sense. And I think the best security reflex everyone needs is so that all these things become common sense for everyone. And by the way, since we mentioned internet cafes and public kiosks at hotels and things like that, my personal advice is don't ever, ever type your password into any one of those devices because you never know when there might be a keystroke logger. It might be software. It might even be a hardware keystroke logger. So just be careful. Uh, I, I would personally recommend not using those kind of devices to log into any accounts. If you're, if you just want to check movie times, something like that, where you don't have to log in, that's totally fine. Perfect use for those kind of devices. But I would recommend always keeping a device on you that you trust that you're going to use to log into accounts. Okay, Josh, enjoy the rest of the RSA conference. I hope you're going to tell us about it next week. Until yep. then, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>